Welcome to Smart Software with Smart Logic, a podcast where we talk about best practices in web and mobile software development with a focus on new and emerging technologies. My name is Justice Epen, and I'll be your host today. I'm a developer here at Smart Logic, and we're a Baltimore-based consulting company that has been building custom web and mobile software applications since 2005. From the Smart Logic team today, we have our resident Elixir expert, Eric Ostrich. Say hi, Eric. Hello. And we also have a very special guest today, a good friend of ours, Todd Rezudek. Hello. Hey, Todd. Really glad to have you. Now, our first series is covering Phoenix and Elixir in production. And today we are going to dive into that topic. Uh, We'd first like to hear a little bit about you, Todd, if you could introduce yourself and give us a little bit of background about weed maps and how you personally got started with Elixir and Phoenix. Cool. Uh, yeah, so as you said, my name's Todd Resedek. I am based outside of Denver, Colorado, and I got started in development fifth, almost 16 years ago, I guess, and dabbled in a few different languages, uh, native mobile as well as web stuff. And, uh, and so since I, I started working at Weedmaps, we were mostly a Rails shop, and we, um, we hit some performance snags at a point about three years ago um, on 420, which is our Black Friday. <laughs> uh, so right after that, our, uh, our leadership team kind of went into a, a focus, uh, figuring out how we could prevent that from happening again. And so um, coming out of that was a uh, some resolution that we, we might need to move some of our, our components or some of our software outside of Rails uh, for performance reasons. And so we assessed a few different options. And uh, when I was hired, which was like right after that, um, they were they interviewed me and asked me if I was more interested in Node or Elixir. And uh, I told them I liked both, but I would probably be more interested in Elixir um, because I was less familiar with it. And so um, shortly thereafter, the decision was made that we would we would start building up an Elixir team, I guess. And so just a few months after that, so this would be about two years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, we hired our first Elixir developer. Mm. And, uh, and so, yeah, and eventually I was on a Rails project and then eventually I moved into the Elixir squads and started working on our Elixir services. And before Eric jumps into the rest of the questions, I do want to just get a quick intro to like, what is Weedmaps? Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is a, a great one for me. So whenever I, I have like a Weedmap shirt on or I tell people I work at Weedmaps, there's usually one of two reactions. Like reaction one is the one that you had, which is what is Weedmaps? What is that? What do they do? And then the other one is awesome. And so <laughs> I think a lot of it depends on who you are or uh, where you live. So you guys are in Maryland, so you may be more familiar with Weedmaps than somebody in uh, Illinois or Indiana would yeah, be. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Indiana, so. Yeah, so, <laughs> sorry, friend. But uh, so WeedMaps is a lot of things, but what most people know us for is our mobile app for uh, finding cannabis resources. So we do delivery services, so you can find a dispensary near you or you can find a delivery service near you to, uh, so you don't have to leave the house. So we do a lot of other things that are behind the scenes uh, for the cannabis industry. And so, and that's mostly where I, where I'm working is back office stuff. Very cool. And Elixir has been uh, growing on you guys for a few years now. Excellent pun. 
Yeah, we've been uh, we've been really lucky to be able to hire some experienced Elixir programmers from the get go and some Erlang programmers from the get go to help us show us the ropes. Mm -hmm. And uh, when we first were getting off the ground, the guys at Bleacher Report, Ben and Peter and some of the other guys were nice enough to jump on some video chats with us to sort of uh, get us headed in the right direction when we had questions. So yeah, it's been, I don't know if everybody has such a smooth transition, but it's been pretty, it's been pretty easy for me. Do you want to give us a quick overview of what, like, what actually is in production at Weed Maps, like where it's being used? Sure. Yeah, like I said, most of the stuff wouldn't be things that our normal customer sees. It would be things that a dispensary owner sees when they get into the back office. Uh, so just to name a few that I've worked on, one would be our logistics platform. And so that, to put it simply, is um, when you order delivery, it's what happens on the back end. So in this case, as a dispensary owner or distributor, you would log in and you would see a real-time map of where all your drivers are and what, what orders they're currently out delivery and a route map. And so this allows you to sort of uh, dispatch to those to say, you know, we've got an order, come back to the distribution center, pick this order up and bring it to so-and-so. And so it manages that whole process of, of delivery. I've also worked on our tax service, which is uh, just an API service that a lot of our services are going to use to uh, be able to calculate the correct taxes the taxes in the cannabis industry are even more complicated than other retail taxes. And so this is sort of a uh, store for that. And most recently, I've been working on something that just got released into a private alpha today. So I can't go into too many details on it, but it's a, it is a full stack application for more of our business to business services. So that's technically in production, but it's by invite only. So and uh, we have a few other things that I haven't been involved with. I can't really talk about them in too much detail. But yeah, quite a few services right now in backend are in uh, Elixir. Cool. So we heard a bit about, um, I guess, how you guys picked it. But is there is there more of a a, a why to why to Elixir in production? Like why we picked it over yeah, yeah, other, other options? Yeah, yeah I think. At the time, we had more Ruby developers than we had JavaScript developers. And a lot of the, I still think a lot of the blog posts and sort of the learning curve coming from a Ruby background is, is a little bit easier into Elixir than if you come from a different stack. We felt confident that it would be a pretty easy transition for us. Um, and then as well as performance, we kind of felt like the, the concurrency model of Elixir was probably in the long run, probably going to serve us better than that of Node. And I still think that we, we probably would have gotten an increase in Node over what we did in Rails, but I think the, the Elixir implementation is even greater than that. <laughs> yeah, so far we haven't had any problems since that 423 years ago, knock on wood. So what are some of the high level advantages or disadvantages of, of using Elixir? For, for us, I think the advantages are the speed, so the concurrency models, so you can get you know, AWS, AWS instances up to 48 cores now, and to be able to like chew through all those cores automatically is pretty amazing. Um, and so uh, the tooling on it, so uh, XUnit, all the OTP stuff, um, you know, gen servers, ads, debts is good. Uh, the documentation, I think, um, I, 
I think the Ruby documentation is okay, but it's not really anything compared to the Elixir documentation. So it makes it really easy to kind of ramp up on things or, or learn things. And the package manager is Hex is one of the best in the world. So now I, I believe before we scoot on from that, you are part of Hex, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm one of the maintainers, but uh, the, yes, I play a small role in it. I should say. Uh -huh. <laughs> We'll, we'll get more into that, won't we, uh, All right. one of the yeah. later sections. Uh, but, but maybe we, we could uh, move on on the, some of the sort of system level hosting, this deployment sort of questions. Oh, yeah let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about the disadvantages, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I can MC this for a second. So one <laughs> of the things was hiring. So um, WeedMaps headquarters is in Irvine, California. And um, our biggest satellite engineering office is in Denver. And so when we went out to hire our first elixir programmer we were looking for somebody that had production experience and i think everybody quickly figured out that restricting ourselves to a geographic area wasn't going to be very feasible and to some degree i still think it's not very feasible and or at least not at the scale that we need to hire so i'd say hiring is a little bit harder and uh it, and that's just because top of funnel is smaller on that i mean hiring is difficult no matter what but the number of people in the in North America where we can hire people is pretty small for Elixir, and the number that are looking for a job at any one time is much less uh, is much smaller than that. So there's that. There's you know, it's a little bit newer, so there's not the history of blog posts and like libraries. If you look at the number of libraries available, sometimes there's things that are available in other ecosystems that Elixir doesn't have for various reasons. And then I think the big one, and I think it's being worked on, is the, the deployment strategies. Um, definitely two years ago, there was not a really well-defined deployment, like de facto deployment strategy. And to this day, I don't, I still think it's a little, it's an area of confusion. And um, I know that uh, Brian and the rest of the people at Tina uh, Dockyard are working vigorously with, uh, with Paul on making it easier to deploy apps. Yeah, I think we have, I, I can think of at least two very different ways of how we do deployments just at smart logic so there's definitely not the way yet yeah there's probably a way but nobody's discovered it yet yeah which is a great segue yeah so where do you host your uh, elixir app apps yeah so all of our all of our services at WeMaps are hosted on aws so we use you know aws instances and rds instances for those cool and how do you get code to those instances yeah, so we use we use Distillery to build releases, and our release, uh, you know, our infrastructure goes into Docker, and we use Rancher right now to orchestrate the Docker containers. To be fair, we have a DevOps team that's sort of dedicated to this, and the process is the same for us. Our internal development team builds tools for us to do this. So the deployment is basically the same for our Rails apps and our Elixir apps. So some of it is a little black boxy to me. Are you able to get zero downtime deploys with this uh, setup? We have not even pursued that yet. So I think it, maybe other teams are doing this, but we have a, you know, we could use Canary deploys, I guess, since we're behind a load balancer. So it's possible that on some of the other services there, if it's necessary, they can, uh, they can just pull down or pull some of the instances out of the load balancer and sort of do deploys in that way to get zero downtime. The apps that I'm working on, we don't maintain state in memory very often, or at least not long-term. And so that part of it is 
not really something that, that we're worried about. Do you do any clustering for any of these applications? The application that I'm working on isn't clustered. It's just running multiple instances in parallel behind the, the load balancer. We do have the logistics service is running in sort of a clustered environment. And this was something that I think Andrea and another developer, Jeffrey Matthias, worked on extensively. And it, it more or less takes advantage of, of the Docker container infrastructure to use like a shared file system to sort of share share memory between them. So I don't think it's a traditional like lib cluster clustering, but it's sort of a quasi Erlang cluster. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've heard of clustering via files. <laughs> it's uh, I may be doing a very hard, a bad job of describing it. Um, okay. Or if I am, it it's either such a brilliant idea, no one's thought of it before, or it's such a horrible idea. Um, to be determined, maybe. <laughs> so you, you've mentioned you specifically switched to Elixir from Rails because of performance. I, do you have any metrics around any of that outside of you have you didn't go down on 420? <laughs> yeah, no, I think our ops team would probably have all the metrics as far as uh, RPMs on things. So we are we are testing in the thousands to tens of thousands of, of RPMs as part of our, our load testing. And so um, all the Elixir work that we've been doing has been greenfield stuff. So as I mentioned, like the, the consumer facing app is still a Rails app. And so what we've been doing with our Elixir teams has been, as we're building out new verticals at WeMaps, we are building them in Elixir. So it's, it's really hard to get a, a one-to-one -one comparison of you know, how this performed in Rails versus how it performs in Elixir. But, but yeah, I guess, I guess, like I said, we load test assuming thousands to tens of thousands of RPM, our requests per second. So uh, yeah, we'll see. It hasn't fallen down yet, but the number of clients that are on some of these services, it's much lower than the ones that are on the, the mobile app service. Yeah. So maybe we want to talk a little bit about background task processing, some libraries, that, those sorts of things. Yeah, so um, I think like a lot of people in Rails, I'm used to working with Sidekick or Redis to get the, or Rescue, sorry, to get the performance and kind of move things into separate threads. And I, I guess I just sort of took it for granted before I started working in the, in the Beam that there was always a lot of setup and extra tooling and everything you needed to move things into separate threads and, and to get the extra performance. But in, in Beam, obviously that's not as necessary or even necessary at all. So in the app that I'm using now, we are just running a, a regular gen server in the supervision tree with a send after callback. So it runs once a minute to sync data between two different data stores. That is, without looking at it, I mean, it's somewhere between 20 and 40 lines of code in, in total to run that, you know, and that's it. There's a little bit of extra code to make sure that everything is idempotent, idempotent, because we have parallel instances running. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's very, it's a very, very, very simple process in the Beam that doesn't require us to spin up separate instances or use separate libraries or have a, you know, separate interface to manage our background queues or any of that stuff. I feel like we are just getting to the point where like, I feel confident to just reach for primitives instead of trying to reach for like XQ or Verk or any of the other ones. Um, I think Tonic is out there as well. But yeah, it's it's pretty great to just use stuff that's there. <laughs> yeah, so um, maybe to reinforce this idea, I guess when we first started on this project, we knew that this was something we were going to have to do. 
we're lucky enough to have uh, one of the Elixir Lang maintainers at Weedmaps, Andrea Lepardi. And so when we run into new stuff that we haven't, new patterns that we haven't done before, a lot of times we'll sanity check them with him or ask him for his advice. And this is what he came up with. So I feel like even though it's a very simple implementation, I feel pretty confident that it's the right implementation yeah. uh, for this. So. so basically what you're saying is in order to do Elixir in production, get a core team member. <laughs> it never hurts to get a core team member on your team. So don't take Andrea, but there's, <laughs> there are six, six others. Cool. Um, so I guess to, to move along, what, what, what libraries are you using? Anything that stands out besides your standard Phoenix? Anecto? Um, yeah, so maybe we could talk a little bit about um, some of the stuff that we use in dev and in task mode. So uh, we use Credo for one, and um, part of our, our process in, uh, in CI is to run everything through Credo to make sure. Uh, should I go into definition on Credo, or do you want to go into it, Eric? It's, uh, you go ahead. For, for uh, simplicity's sake, you could think of Credo as kind of being the, the Elixir version of RuboCop, if you're familiar with the Ruby uh, yeah. ecosystem. So RuboCop, but much nicer. <laughs> yeah, so, so we've, we've customized it a little bit to meet our needs. And so in CI, everything runs through Credo to make sure that we do the static analysis, make sure style checks are in place. So we do that, and also we use uh, Dialixir and Dialyzer. To, uh, to check all of our types and make sure everything is squared away on that. And so both of those things have to happen before it could pass CI, uh, as well as running the formatter, which isn't a library, but it's built into Elixir now. These might be popular or might not be popular libraries. I'm not really sure, but one difference it's had on our workflows at VMAPS is we've gotten out of the habit or gotten out of that whole process where we're uh, bike shedding on PRs a lot about this isn't how I would have done it or you could change this to two lines or add the parens around here. So basically any of those like style or subjective matters, we leave it up to, to robots and in this case. And as long as the robots say it's okay, then it's okay for us. <laughs> so we can just focus on sort of the, the higher level um, parts of each PR. So yeah, those are the ones that I think I am like that have made the biggest difference to me. Let's see, besides that, yeah, maybe interesting wise is, is Prometheus. So we use some of the Pro Prometheus libraries and, and Datadog as well. So we are gathering a lot of uh, system level data uh, from, the, from the VM and moving that into Datadog dashboards. So yeah, those would be the ones I think are the most interesting. Other than that, it's yeah, the basic JSON, uh, JA serializer, Phoenix Ecto. I see. I see you have both poison and uh, Jason as well. <laughs> Man, don't remind me. Uh, so, so yeah, this came up pretty recently. So I was trying to. So as I do periodically, I run uh, mix hex audit and mix hex outdated, which everybody should should be doing here. And so I noticed the version of poison we were on was uh, was a 3.0 version, and 4.0 came out relatively recently, but not recently enough to excuse us for not having upgraded. And so we started to dig in, like, why do we still have poison? And there's a couple of libraries in here that are requiring it. And so our goal is, my goal would be to get us off of poison completely. We had one team that had poison for, uh, because JA Serializer was requiring it. So he started doing some investigation and uh, recently merged in a, a PR for this. But uh, 
apparently all it was being used for was poison was mentioned in one of the doc tests. Hmm. And so like that was the re literally the only reason it had that dependency. So, so he was able to remove poison from their, their service by up or getting that, that uh, pull request merged into J serializer. Uh, we have a, unfortunately have a couple of other dependencies that require it. So maybe I'll jump in here and say now would be a good time for you to plug your talk at ElixirConf about all the oh, super man. cool features Hex has. Since you dropped a couple of Hex commands in that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know what? I think the ones that I want everybody to run is Mix Hex Outdated and Mix Hex Audit. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're really interested in more, you can go back and watch the videos, but I think those will go a long way into making sure your, your libraries are, are where they should be. So, and as, uh, as Justice mentioned, there was a talk at ElixirConf 2018 where I go into great detail about all of the things Hex can do and how it works. And, so and yeah, we'll that. make sure to include a link to that. All right, awesome. Okay, so moving on, um, do you guys deal with third-party services at all? And do you have any troubles integrating or anything like that? Um, yeah, so the ones that we use uh, on my app are SendGrid, just for sending transactional emails, and also MailTrap. So in non-production environments, we use MailTrap for sending the emails. And if you're not familiar with it, it just basically hooks into your SMTP and and sends things, reroutes your mail from the address that you gave it to a your MailTrap account. And so we use those. And for uh, for this app, we use an app called uh, or a library called Swoosh to integrate both of them. And it has really good support for both. It was really easy to do. And the other big third party was uh, Google Places. That yeah, again, not a lot of problems with that. I think uh, one thing Elixir has forced me to do is to stop looking for API libraries which just act as like really simple wrappers around API requests and to just start essentially making them ourselves. So instead of downloading a huge library that a lot of times in Elixir doesn't exist yet or may never exist and uh, having support for every endpoint that Google Places supports, uh, it's pretty easy to write your HTTP client module and you know, just add the one or two endpoints to it that you need, so. But yeah, otherwise it's, it's actually been really, really smooth moving over to Elixir. Cool. Yeah, and I, I'll just uh, uh, second that writing your own client because then it works exactly how you want it to. There's no integration uh, mini pane or whatever. Yeah, I mean, HTTP requests are pretty ubiquitous at this point. So there's not a lot of magic in those libraries. Yeah, as long as you can read documentation and handle error cases, you should be okay. Um, I would say one of the weird things, since you didn't mention it, is... Uh, some of the responses we get back from Google um, come back as strings and we're converting them to atoms. And so you have to be kind of careful with that, that you know the list of potential atoms that can be since it's, it's data that's not generated by us. So word of advice is string, string to atom is, can be dangerous because your atoms table can fill up really fast if you're not careful with it or if somebody exploits that as a vulnerability. So having a predefined list of atoms that you will accept and using string to existing atom can mitigate or kind of protect you from that. Helpful tip. So that is great. Maybe we want to jump now into our sort of, uh, is this a lightning round? Do we call it a lightning round, Eric? I think it's a wrap up round. Wrap up round. Okay. We'll call it the wrap up round. Eric, take it away. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. Do you have any? Do, do you have any uh, story where Elixir has saved the day in production? Um. No, not yet. So I think it it prevents us from ever have had having that issue in the in the first place. Yep. The the best story for that. Yeah. Production didn't go down. <laughs> yeah. Knock on wood. So we've had two four twenties since the the one where we had a lot of issues, and they've been smoother and smoother ever since. Awesome. Uh, are you using any cool OTP features? Right now, just the gen servers, I guess, and ETS for caching. But uh, I think as as our demand grows a little bit, I want to look into incorporate Flow and GenStage into that. All right. And finally, uh, if you could give one tip to developers out there who are or may be soon running Elixir in production, what would it be? Yeah. So I would say don't try, don't struggle trying to wrap your head around things like hot swapping deployments or clustering. Um, there's a really good chance that you're not going to need it, or at least you're not going to need it for a long time. So those can be kind of, those can be difficult topics. And I think for most people, it's just going to be a waste of time right away. Is that all we got? I think so. Man, Todd, it is always such a pleasure to talk to you, man. Uh, before we let you go, any final plugs, asks for the audience, uh, you know, where they can find you, why they should find you? <laughs> if you're very curious, you can find me online. My GitHub handle is super simple. And uh, my Twitter handle is super simple without any vowels in it. So if you're very interested in learning more about me, you can check those, those things out. Great. Todd Rezadek, thank you so much for joining us today. Eric Ostrich, thank you for being my co-host and a gentleman and a scholar. Once again, this has been Smart Software with Smart Logic talking about Elixir in production. Join us for our next episode in the series. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, friends.